You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. It's Wednesday now. It is officially the start of the new league year. We've had a couple of days of negotiations. We know where a lot of big free agents are going to land. There's some big names, though, that are still out there. This very interesting offseason will continue to play out with, I think, three teams still currently over the salary cap. They've got to figure that out and get those maneuvers done. The Saints being about $12 million over. Uh, from the last numbers I saw this morning, got to get under the cap so they can do their business for the 2021 season. At BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL on Twitter is where you can find us. If you have any questions about what's going on in free agency, the draft, trades, 2021 offseason will be here every day for you. And we'll hit a big mailbag show Tuesday, maybe filter some other questions in later in the week when some of these signings slowed down but Matt has not slowed down as we head into day three and the biggest fish of them all has now signed 138 million dollars over six years for 49ers tackle Trent Williams who stays with San Francisco after they traded for him uh, draft day last year and they gambled on it they played it out they structured his contract for one year without the ability to franchise tag him it paid off for Trent Williams, and it looks like it might pay off for the 49ers. We'll see how it's structured. I have a feeling you won't see year six of that at you know 38 years old, but averaging $23 million per year, $55 million guaranteed, and nearly doubles the next highest dollar total uh, from, let's see here, who's, yeah, Shaq Barrett got what, four years, 68. Trent Williams gets $138 million over his six-year contract. Yeah, it's a big one, obviously. Uh, I-, I thought Williams was probably the best player that actually hit the market, you know, regardless of position. I thought he was the best tackle in football last year. I think he's often overlooked as maybe the best tackle of this generation, kind of that Tyron Smith, you know, in that neighborhood is one of the absolute best guys and a potential Hall of Famer to me. Um, He was great for the Niners last year, as you well know. And they're in it to win it. I mean, uh, by no means do I think San Francisco is looking at their team like, oh, we took a step back. We need to, you know, rebuild a little bit. I think they look themselves like they're the Super Bowl team from two years ago. I'm willing to and, bet. And then you add Alex Mack, too, another old guy. Yeah. Reaffirm, just, you know, reaffirm that. This was fun. 49ers Twitter was on fire. I couldn't go to bed last night because Trent Williams <laughs> posted up on his uh, Instagram uh, about the 49ers signing, and then he tagged Alex Mack in, in one of those. And so the new era of social media players breaking news themselves. Uh, so Trent Williams and Alex Mack solidifying the 49ers offensive line. So those are huge. Obviously, Alex Mack is his third time playing for Coach Kyle Shanahan, Cleveland, Atlanta, and now San Francisco. You know, advanced age for both of those players. They're in their 30s. Mack is clearly past his prime but still only allowed one sack all last season. Still a solid player there at center. But Trent Williams was still playing at his prime level last year. Will he still be doing that at age 38, 39, six years from now? I don't know, but I don't think he'll see those dollars anyway. And I have a feeling yeah. about $50 million of that $138 will, will, not, will be lopped off for the last couple of years of that deal once they do get to that point. But they had to do that. They had to make him the highest paid offensive tackle in the league to to bring him in and so that's that that's the cost 28 or 23 million dollars per year for Trent Williams yeah and he also got Verrett back I'm just sitting here thinking I mean do you think quarterback aside 
Is it corner or pass rusher probably in the first round now? I think what they did was allow themselves, and look, this is exactly how I drew it up pre-free agency for the 49ers. The big domino is Trent Williams. It allows everything else to happen. So Alex Mack was the yeah, clear yeah. player that fit with Shanahan, with Weston Richburg's injuries and him retiring now, it looks like. So Alex Mack, Trent Williams, that was number one to fix the offensive line. Make sure you're solidified there. Bringing back at least one of your starting corners, and they brought back two because Jason Verrett, was on a one-year deal, and Emmanuel Mosley, who can start and maybe even could play some slot for you, two-year deal, he was a restricted free agent, so he was definitely going to come back anyway. So they can at least start two corners if the season started today, but they still have a ton of work to do for now and looking ahead in the future, obviously, because of Verrett's injury history, and he's only in on a one-year deal. So corner would still probably rank number one. Uh, they brought in Samson Ibukam as oh, yeah. sort of a speedy edge rusher because D. Ford's injuries is in a similar boat to Weston Richburg. And he's he might still be on the roster, but might be someone who's on IR and never plays again with his chronic knee and now back injuries. So unfortunately for D Ford, he can't even pass a physical right now. So but not passing. I don't want to go too deep into it with the Niners here, but not passing a physical for D Ford on April 1st means 11 more million dollars of his contract were guaranteed. So the 49ers can't really get out of it too well. So they restructured him instead, knowing that, and he's likely not to play for the 49ers again. So they needed a little bit of speed coming off the edge, but I would not. I mean, when it comes to this regime and the 49ers, a defensive end of the first round would absolutely not surprise me. I think corner is still number one, and then I think there's some still lingering ideas out there about quarterback. If the right quarterback is there at 12, they probably don't feel the need to to pressure themselves to anything at, at 12 with quarterback or corner or defensive end. They could probably go a number of directions, but I would put those three positions as the top of the list for what the Niners are planning to do the rest of the offseason. Makes sense. They were a little more busy than I remembered. Yeah, they, they were a little bit busy, and I, I think they did exactly what they needed to do and will probably just kick back and now look for some bargains on the free agent market, maybe a number three or four type wide receiver with Kendrick Bourne going to the New England Patriots. There is some cornerback movement finally now. The top couple of corners, it looks like, have signed. Shaq Griffin is leaving the Seattle Seahawks, going to Jacksonville on a three-year, $40 million contract, and then... The Cincinnati Bengals are losing William Jackson as well. He's going to Washington on a three-year, $40 million contract. So I guess that's the going rate right now for corners. Yeah, I, I like these moves. I think Washington's pass defense is really good now. I mean, we know the pass rush. I've always been a big William Jackson believer and you know, watched him a lot here in the AFC North. Um, I think he's a big-time guy. And then Griffin, I think, is a nice pairing with last year's first-round pick, C.J. Henderson. So, you know, in an important position for Jacksonville, they have two legit good starters with upside that are still pretty young. So it's a good start for their pass defense. The Seattle Seahawks have been in on some free agents. There's the whole thing with Russell Wilson, and he, he would like to have maybe a little bit of a better offensive line, and they've checked in on some offensive linemen, but they haven't landed any of them. And now losing Shaq Griffin, the Seahawks are worse right now than they were to start free agency. And I'm not really trying to, I'm not figuring out their plan, but apparently with, and we'll get deep into the backup quarterback types and the stop gaps that have signed recently. And a lot of them came off the board yesterday and some surprising dollar figures there. But one of those Andy Dalton in Chicago, and apparently that didn't happen until after Chicago exhausted all efforts to trade for Russell Wilson, and they went after it with Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks said, ah, thanks for the offers. They listened to him, but they said, not at this time, essentially. So maybe they have to, maybe it's a year from now, 
that Russ moves on, but it feels like that's going to happen. And they're not doing anything right now with urgency to win with Russ this year, it seems like. I mean, that's the vibe I'm getting out of Seattle. So I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out what exactly their plan is. Yeah, I thought maybe they would go in on a, an offensive lineman. And I know they don't have a ton of money, but, you know, at least, you know, I don't know, make it sound like throw Russ a bone, but it wouldn't hurt to add one anyway. The only name I've even heard associated with Seattle is Leonard Fournette. And ugh, that doesn't exactly yeah, solve the that problem. That doesn't make you much better losing Chris Carson and then adding Fournette. In fact, Fournette's probably one of those players, now that he had that nice little playoff run, that's going to get you know, paid too much again from some teams that really liked him coming out of the draft. And obviously he's a beast and, and a freak of nature, but uh, that's, that's not where you want to go spending your money for trying to win a title, in my opinion. No, I agree. All right, let's talk backup quarterbacks next. Or are they backup quarterbacks? Yeah, I don't know. they're all backups. And some of the other signings around the NFL in the last 24 hours next. The sweetest 16 is underway at BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com, find the Built Bar Madness bracket. Today's matchup is peanut butter versus coconut marshmallow puff. Coconut puff, a newer flavor. It's getting a lot of pub, but, I mean, peanut butter's the OG. I gotta vote peanut butter here, no doubt. If you haven't tried them, you gotta check them out. Protein bars that taste like a candy bar. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber all covered in delicious 100% real chocolate. You can vote at BuiltBar.com or on Twitter at Bar underscore Built. And you can get 15% off your next box of Built Bars with promo code LOCKED15. So vote for your favorite Built Bar flavor for Built Bar Madness. And remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order of Built Bars more of the sports you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. 20 minutes with host Peter Bukowski catching you up on the latest every day in the sports world. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Talk to me about the Chicago Bears, Matt, because we talked with Lauren Cox last week about this team and he did not mention Andy Dalton as the <laughs> the player who was going to come save them at the nah. quarterback position and that's a pretty precipitous drop from plan A being Russell Wilson to plan B being Andy Dalton who signs for a one-year 10 million dollar contract and will it looks like compete with Nick Foles to be the starter there is that going to save Nagy's job Ooh, I would hate to have my job hindering on that to be a success uh, especially with the supporting cast he's falling into. Let's talk Bears and Washington a little bit together because the other news is Fitzpatrick goes to Washington, Dalton goes mm-hmm. to Chicago. And what's funny is I've lumped these two teams together a lot this offseason because I think in the draft they're a little bit in no man's land to get a number one, you know, get a, a quarterback from this crop unless they trade up or go heavily in. I never believed Wilson or Watson was going to end up in either one of these cities. So you kind of end up with what's left. You know, they're they're the teams that really didn't have a great seat at the musical chair table. But, you know, Ryan and I were talking about it on Locked on Dynasty last night. Like, Fitzpatrick going to Washington, I'm buying Terry McLaurin stock and Logan Thomas. Like, that's fun. You know, I don't know that it translates to a lot more wins. But with that defense and aggressive, you know, downfield passer, all respect to Alex Smith, I mean, he was not an aggressive passer. And then before that, Haskins and those guys were just bad. As opposed to Dalton in Chicago, where it's just so bland. It's just a totally different feel 
for probably quarterbacks that are on the same tier. But man, I would rather roll with Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Look, they were a playoff team last year. So uh, at pick 19, they were probably not in a position unless they needed to move up. And I, I don't think adding Fitzpatrick, obviously, on a, on a one-year contract changes anything for the draft. If they can still make a maneuver no. there and get a quarterback in behind uh, Fitzpatrick for a year or even someone that beats him out in training camp, even better, right? So that doesn't take quarterback off the board in the draft, but they get themselves a starter, someone who's proven uh, as recently as last year to to be able to give a uh, a team some juice on offense and in the passing game. And you're right. The first thing I thought of when I saw that deal was, okay, Terry McLaurin, I like it. He will be on my fantasy mm-hmm. teams this year. Uh, that's going to be huge for him. And, and there's talk that maybe they're going to still try to go do something like with Galladay, maybe in free agency. And and maybe that's the route you go to make things better on offense, to go with a, a really growing, budding defense that looks like it could be pretty good. And again, I'm lumping these teams together because, again, they one of them could try to trade up for Lance or make a move. But I wonder, I'm starting to run out of spots that Sam Darnold could land. Could you think he could be in one of these two cities? I would have thought that it would have been much more preferable for the Bears to make a move for Darnold than to sign Andy Dalton, especially when you already have Nick Foles in-house. I know they can't cut Foles, so maybe this takes them out of the Darnold sweepstakes. If I were Washington, though, I'd love to get Darnold and play him with Fitz, you know, learn from Fitz, all those things. I'm starting to run out of spots for Darnold. Yeah, and I'm I, also a little worried he may end up in Houston. I mean, that makes a lot of sense in Houston because that's one of the few teams left. And by the way, there they made a move, too, that I want to get to. But yeah, uh, yeah. on the subject of Darnold, here's something I found that was interesting yesterday. And uh, this is from Matt Lombardo. He said, asking around on Sam Darnold, and the sense I get from scouts, coaches, and executives is that the perception of him among fans and some in media is significantly higher than those inside the league. Quote, he stinks, bro, says one <laughs> offensive coach. So, um, and, His and tape he, isn't that great. He has stunk. I mean, he has not played he well so stunk. far in the NFL. But as we've seen with Ryan Tannehill, uh, there is the Adam Gase problem that that we've seen multiple times now in the NFL uh, that was not a great situation for a young quarterback I wouldn't expect any young quarterback to be able to go into that jet situation that Sam Darnold has seen the last few years and thrive so that's the tough part but it would be a gamble and he comes cheaper than Andy Dalton but you have to give up a draft pick what that draft pick is is a big question if it's a third I'm all about it you know pay him four million or whatever it is this year for Sam Darnold see what you get but the problem with Darnold there's only one year of surplus value there because he's got the fifth year option then he might get expensive so if he's great you got to end up paying him pretty soon but at least he's got that pedigree and he was a very high draft pick uh just a couple of years ago and um you already know exactly what Andy Dalton is he's not going to take you anywhere there's at least a chance that Dalton's got a lot more there and he could give you something like Ryan Tannehill gave the Tennessee Titans out of nowhere yes uh, agreed I mean Dalton's the bird in the hand, and really they were in a, a, a difficult situation to really get a real impact quarterback. So I guess it's kind of the best you could hope for, but it's not great. The So Jacoby Brissett is on his way to yeah. Miami to back up Tua. I love that situation. That's perfect. Everybody knows what the score is. Tua's the starter. Jacoby sets the backup but a solid backup a smart player like you know he's the perfect backup you want in that situation so I love that connection I, I like that's what I like so much about it. I apologize for interrupting yeah, sure. I mean because it's pretty clear 
Tua, you're the starter. Brissett's a really good backup, but he's not threatening. I think that was a perfect way to put it. And I like Fitz. I don't get the Andy Dalton thing, but maybe the most interesting, and maybe I'm looking too much into this, Tyrod Taylor to Houston, a one-year contract that's worth up to $12 million. And uh, the key to a lot of these contracts is the up-to number. Fitzpatrick, $10 million. Dalton, $10 million. Uh, Brissett's $7.5 million. There's a lot of incentives involved there that those backup quarterbacks, if they sit on the bench all year and don't play, won't reach those numbers. So it looks like some those look like numbers of players that you expect to start. But I think all of those contracts are set up in a way that if they don't start, it doesn't cost the team nearly what those dollar figures are. And for Tyrod Taylor, twelve and a half million dollars, it wouldn't make sense if he was making that much money if Deshaun Watson was on the roster, right? So does this mean something about Deshaun Watson, or is this them preparing themselves for him to sit more so than preparing themselves for a trade? It's interesting because I didn't realize those incentives were part of it. You know, the the blurb comes across one year, twelve point five million dollar deal, and I'm and my immediate thought was, boy, this screams Watson's going somewhere, Carolina, Carolina. And they're going to get an early pick and Tyrod's going to Herbert up the next quarterback, you know, high pick and get his lung punctured in week three and pave way to Justin Fields to lead the way. You know, I mean, he's he's just the perfect guy to do that. He's done that in several spots. But if the incentive thing changes my mind slightly, I mean, maybe he is the opening day starter if Watson holds out. But I'm still leaning towards option one there, that this sure looks like we may have a Watt, some Watson action. And the other blurb you keep hearing out of the Carolinas, they're all in, they're doing anything possible. They might just make Houston an offer they can't refuse, or maybe they already did. Here's the one report I saw. I think it was from Tom Pelissero. So one-year contract worth up to $12.5 million, which is a lot for Tyrod Taylor. But the base salary is less than half of that. So maybe okay, five or six million is the base, but still that's, you know, that's a, that's a nice little chunk for a backup quarterback anyway. So they're preparing for something in Houston. What that is, I don't know. And uh, Houston Chronicle Texans beat writer, John McClain said today that he still believes that the Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watson. And then over a couple of days ago, Mike Lombardi was on with Rich Eisen. And he said what he's hearing is that, the Jets and the Dolphins aren't preferred destinations for Deshaun Watson and his two preferred teams are the Broncos and the 49ers. And Mm. there might be a case for the Texans to not want to send him to the AFC. So obviously 49ers fans got very excited about this. And I saw this video tweeted a million times yesterday on Twitter because uh, that would really point to a trade to the 49ers as being a possibility. And it's much less possible for a team like the Niners or even the Broncos or the Panthers to outbid one of those teams in the top two if indeed Watson would be willing to go to Miami or New York and if the Texans would be willing to trade him there. So that was an interesting nugget. And every Deshaun Watson report contradicts the next, so I don't even know what to think about him anymore. I'm still putting a chip down on Carolina. I've always thought San Fran's going to be poking around. You know, I mean, we've had a lot of San Fran talk, and wow, that would be amazing. And I think Denver's an awesome location. You know, that offense with him, you could send Locke to Houston and a bunch of stuff and have Locke and, and Taylor and maybe an early pick all battle it out. Or you keep Locke. I mean, Locke doesn't even matter at that point. I still think he's going to be a Panther. 
The question is what players have to go with the draft picks there and how good is your team left over? Because if you're, yeah. you know, the 49ers and you have to trade Bosa and a bunch of picks, it makes a lot less sense. If you are the Broncos and you have to trade Bradley Chubb and a bunch of picks, it makes less sense. And so right. th- those are the questions that, that make it a little bit more difficult. And I wonder if in the end, because of the no trade, maybe the Texans don't get quite the haul that, that some people expect. And they'll still get a lot, but... You need pick two and three involved if you're the Texans, even if you know you're not going to trade them there. You need them bidding, I think. That's one of the big keys for the Texans with Deshaun Watson trade. Yeah, you at least have to have an easy avenue for your next quarterback. Or if you're the or if you're the Texans, you don't ask Watson. You take the best deal and you say, okay, well, here's your offer. It's this team. Oh, I'd be done doing favorites for yeah, Watson. It's yeah. this team or the Texans. We got you a trade. You want out? This is our yep. best offer. Take that or stay. So, oh, I think that's, that's definitely the case. Like right. he can love the, he can say whatever he wants about where he wants to go, but it's hard enough making that big a deal for five first round picks or that kind of value. This, these are your options: either hang here, sit out if you want, do whatever the heck you want, or you can go to Team X. Uh, but there's still no indication that the Texans are even willing to do that. So we may still be talking about this in training camp. But let's get on to some other. The Texans have had a weird offseason even without the Watson oh, stuff. It is. I well, mean, just since free agency. Actually, let's talk a little bit about some of their signings. And uh, another team I want to talk about is the Kansas City Chiefs, who missed out on Trent Williams. They still don't have a left tackle. And I'm not sure about their right tackle situation either. So we'll talk. Chiefs, we'll talk Texans, and we'll talk well, some of the other signings. that I mean, there's, there's a number there's of so signings much, yeah. we haven't touched on yet. We'll get to some of those next. It is tourney time. March Madness is upon us. And, of course, betonline.ag is all over it. Props, totals, brackets, whatever you want to get involved in, you can at BetOnline when it comes to March Madness in the college basketball tournament. There is football futures. NFL drafts, where will Deshaun Watson play in 2021? Where will Russell Wilson play in 2021? NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online even covers awards shows, TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And don't forget to use promo code locked on for your welcome deposit bonus. Table games, you like to play poker, blackjack. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code either. Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, here is the Houston Texans free agent hall so far, Matt. And this is. A lot of names, not a lot of impact, and all literally all one- and two-year deals. All of them. Nobody has been signed beyond two years here. Here's the names. Obviously, J.J. Watt on his way out there in Arizona now. They have signed Terrence Mitchell. This is the biggest dollar signing they've made, which is $3.75 per year. Two years, $7.5 million for cornerback Terrence Mitchell from Cleveland. Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Uh, from Washington to Houston, outside linebacker, two years, seven million. Andre Roberts, two years, five and a half million. Wide receiver from Buffalo, uh, inside linebacker from Green Bay, Christian Kirksey, one year, four and a half million. Justin McCray, guard from Atlanta, two years, four million. Derek Rivers, pass rusher uh, from Derek Rivers. Was he on the Rams? It says I'm he, to was think where he was where he was at. He was in New England. 
Was there a maneuver during last season that I missed with Derek Rivers I'm not going positive. from New England I'm not to sure Los Angeles? Anyway, one year, $3 million. I actually kind of like that deal because I always liked Derek Rivers coming out of college. And mm-hmm. he's had some injuries. I think he tore his ACL his rookie year for the Patriots. Uh, that's one year, $3 million. Mark Ingram, one year, $2.5 million. Farrell Brown, tight end. Uh, they re-signed him one year, $2.2 million. Chris Moore, Vincent Taylor, Terrence Brooks. Joe Thomas, the inside linebacker, not the retired offensive lineman. Right. Uh, Tremont Smith and Tyrod Taylor, one year, $12.5 million. And they traded for Cannon, and they swapped McKinney for Lawson with Miami, too. Yes. It's a lot of stuff. It's bodies, but I'm just seeing L's piling up there. Right. I mean, with right. or without Deshaun Watson, this is a team headed for the number one pick in the 2022 draft. So maybe they don't have to find their quarterback necessarily this month. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, do any of these moves indicate that they're not going to be in contention for the first overall pick? No. Oh, absolutely not. And in fact, it locks right. it in because how much competition is there for any other jobs if someone actually turns out to be good if you get another free agent? Because this is just like, uh, this is, for those They're roster out, cloggers. Yeah, for those folks out there who ever played Madden, this looks like when you go to Madden midseason and you go to the free agent market, this is what it looks like. Just a list of these names where you're like, okay, I guess I got to sign this guy because I've got an injury. That's what your I'm point. Seeing. Those guys are available all year round. Yeah, they're street free agents. That's that's, <laughs> right, that's right. the business that the Texans are doing right now. Very, And that's what they're doing day one of free agency. The Kansas City Chiefs have done the opposite. They have found an ability to sign some expensive players. Number one being guard Joe Tooney. And he is five years, 80 million, 16 mil per year for Joe Tooney. It looks like Taco Charlton's coming over on a one-year contract. Uh, not a lot else there because they don't have a lot of money, but you know, a guard is great, but they just lost both of their starting offensive tackles. They have Lucas Nyang, who hasn't played yet, really, and opted out last year. Maybe you could pencil him in to right tackle, but you still don't know what you've got there from the former third-round pick. They were I don't know how they were going to afford it, but they were kicking the tires, and they were in it to the end, according to reports on Trent Williams. What, what, what do the Chiefs do here? Because we saw what it looked like without offensive tackles. Are they just going to roll with Lucas Nying and maybe a, a late first-round pick and say, well, hopefully that works out on the edge for us? I think so. I mean, I, I think you'll be really good at guard. I mean, I assume uh, Laverne Tardif is going to come back. I, by all accounts, he is. So you have Tooney and Tardif at guard. Great. I mean, so there's actually a strength on the line kind of the opposite of what it's been they've been good at tackle so so Mm -hmm. on the interior i think they really like lucas nine and um, a lot of people thought he'd be a first round pick if he didn't have injuries a year ago and then he opted out and you kind of insinuated this too the way this draft sets up there'll be a tackle with 31 that it won't be a crazy reach maybe it's mayfield or cosme or whomever there's a lot of tackles in this draft that are going to go in that neighborhood but you're basically starting two rookie tackles then. Right. And that tackle that's available for you at pick 31 is going to be one of those guys where it's like, eh, I don't think he's left tackles, probably a right tackle. Maybe right, he could right. be a guard. That's the type of tackle you're probably going to be drafting from there, or you're going to be drafting a project that maybe fits the, the athleticism and length profile, but maybe isn't quite the finished product yet. And you, you see him as potentially being a left tackle. But I got to imagine they have to do something with a veteran offensive tackle, even if they do want to go that route, which would make sense. And that would be the most effective if they do hit on him. And we saw what that, how that worked out for the Buccaneers last year, moving up, making sure they got their guy in Tristan Wirfs at offensive tackle. And he was, you know, 
a star from day one. Yeah, I mean, maybe they could move up and get a Darasaw or somebody like that. I mean, they're not going to go get Penny Sewell or Slater, most likely. I don't know. Maybe they could sign that four or five million dollars a year, not retread, but veteran low end starter should ideally be a third tackle. There's some of those guys on the market. I mean, it's a tough situation to be in. You don't want to be tackle shopping. Tackle tackle shopping is, first of all, expensive and not fun because there's not a lot of guys out there. Um, Alejandro Villanueva is still out there. You've seen him a lot in Pittsburgh. How much does he have left in the tank at 33 years old? He wouldn't be a bad fit. I almost mentioned him just because he's better in protection nowadays than the run game. You know, he would hold up super high character, former, you know, um, uh, not Navy SEAL. He was a, a Army Ranger. I mean, he's like super respected and, and unbelievably smart. So he'd be a good addition to any locker room. And I think he could get by for a year, especially on a pass-heavy team. Any other signings that is uh, catching your eye here before we go today? And uh, there's been a number mm. of them even this morning. And, you know, the the big wide receivers are the ones. I'm trying to figure out Galladay, Juju, where do these – guys end up because a lot of the money has been spent already yeah i mean there's a lot of directions we could go with that question but in along those lines i think marvin jones is kind of interesting in jacksonville you know that they signed a corner we talked about that earlier in the show set that up i think you're probably done at receiver if you're jacksonville chark and jones and chenault and you can uh and not that they would pass on one in the draft but not a priority that gives Trevor Lawrence a, a pretty decent trio to throw to. My hunch is Jacksonville was probably taken aback that they didn't get one of those two tight ends and they both ended up in New England. They've been somewhat busy, the Jaguars. We mentioned Shaq Griffin yeah. earlier. That was three years, $40 million, the starting caliber corner, which is important to go with their first rounder from last year, who I really like. So I think that's a solid duo there at corner. Yeah. Rayshon Jenkins, the safety from the Chargers, four years, $35 million, more than I expected there. Uh, what's the scattering their report? safeties on, are horrible last year, too. What's the scattering report on Rayshon Jenkins? He's not a player that I, that I saw getting $8.75 $8. million per year. That's what I was about to say. I was like, boy, they were really bad at safety. And some mocks I've seen lately, I've seen like Trevor Mooring go into them at the, with their second first round pick. I mean, that would make a lot of sense to me. But I got to admit, I don't know a ton about Jenkins. But when I saw that, that contract, I thought, that's a lot. I mean, you guys were really bad there. And he's an adequate starter. And he may have some upside to him, but that seemed like a, a bit of an overspend to me. Yeah, it might be one of those situations where it's like, look, we have to get a starter at this position, and yeah. nobody really wants to come here. So who are we, <laughs> we better get one for? at least. Yeah, we got to overpay draft. for somebody. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris, defensive tackle from Chicago, gets three years, $23 million, so 7.8 mil for RR. Uh, I do like that signing. He's not a brand name guy, but he's a good player. That's They're going to be happy with that one. Jamal Agnew, wide receiver. Marvin Jones, wide receiver. Marvin Jones getting two years, 12 and a half mil. Uh, Carlos Hyde, who was a former Trent Baalke draft pick in San Francisco and a former... Talk about an overspend. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't like this deal at all for them, but he's he's connected to Urban Meyer from Ohio State, too. So, obviously, they have some love for Carlos Hyde to be their thumper of a running back to back up. You could have called him a month from now, though. Right, yeah, you could have called him <laughs> two months from now, probably. Two years, four and a half million dollars there, so not a lot. You know, a couple No, mil, you're right. A couple mil per year. Jonathan Ford, Jihad Ward, Sidney Jones, uh, and Philip Dorsett. Those are the 
moves so far by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So really just building out the depth of that roster. So, you know, look, a lot of bodies there too, but I mean, impact players when you compare it to a team like the Texans. Yeah, it's a starting corner, a starting wide receiver, a potentially impact the interior D lineman, and then some filler because, I mean, they, they need all the roster spots they can get too. And, you know, you're going to go into this draft and you're just going to kind of hopefully just take best player available after drafting Lawrence. And you, you need some guys that you can at least, that can stop gap, you know, that can at least could be on the field for you if you're short at a position when, you know, week one rolls around because this thing's not going to be built in a day. We talked about how maybe the Patriots and Jets were winners on yesterday's show, and, and I want to attack that question next time. We're out of time here, so maybe tomorrow or maybe later in the week we'll talk about winners and losers from free agency. And a lot of times the winners in March are not actually the winners in October when we see this stuff play out. So I think that's a, a fun subject that we should dive into here when we talk about teams like the Seahawks that are doing nothing. You know, just draft and develop. Maybe they've just got it right and they're not worried about free agents because half of these players probably more than half of these players that we're talking about won't see the end of these contracts so that's a subject for another day we'll get into all the rest of the signings and all the news and everything going on in the nfl right here again tomorrow peacock and williamson